Y'all pray for me. I, I want to do what God wants done. I'm his servant, and I want to give what he wants done. And, and uh, Lord's willing, when we leave here today, we're going to leave a little bit different when we come in. I pray if you're here today and you don't know Jesus or you, you backslid a little bit away from him, that today is your day of deliverance. Today is the day that you get strengthened. Today is the day that you'll be able to hold on to his hand once again. Today is the day that you'll be able to face whatever life has to throw at you. Because what did I tell you the other week? Jesus promised you will have trouble in this life. Ain't no way around it, and the only way to get through it is to hold on to him. Remember I told you the straight is the way and narrow is the gate? And that gate has been trying to be widened. That way has been trying to be widened. Uh, sadly, there are people sitting in churches this morning with guys standing up in the pulpit calling themselves ministers that are exactly doing that. They are widening the gate. It'll bring people in. It'll bring their money in. But I serve one who owns the cattle of a thousand hills, and he said, I'll stand by you. I'll lift you up. I'll take care of you. So we're going to hold on to Jesus right here. And I'm looking for the day that whenever we're going to be ministering to people, folks will be coming here saying, what do y'all got? Well, we got Jesus. We're nothing special, but boy, he is. And he wants us to touch you. He wants us to pray for you. He wants us to teach you. That's what we do. That's how we grow in the Lord. I'm not the same fellow I was when I got saved back 15 years ago. I ain't the same fellow I was when I started pastoring seven years ago. Thank God for that. Amen. And I thank all of y'all that stuck it out with me. Y'all went through my growing pains. I'm still growing, so there are going to be some more pains probably. Just hang in there and keep praying. We're going to serve Jesus. So, we've talked about, uh, what did we talk about last week? It's been so long ago. Well, we talked about repentance. And we talked about the things that causes us to fall. We've, we've covered a whole lot of that stuff, but uh, last week we talked about Thyatira, didn't we? Y'all help me with that. I didn't write it down. So, Thyatira, remember the church in Thyatira where the Lord says, boy, you guys are doing good. He wasn't talking to a church that was dying. He was talking to a church that was growing. But I do have something against you. And he talked about them following that woman Jezebel. We talked about how that woman Jezebel is not so much, uh, um, yeah, it's in our Revelation 2 and 8, I think, Kenan, if you want to stick it up or if anybody wants to look at it, I believe that's where it is. Don't hold me to that. I'm still learning just like you are. But he was more or less talking about an idea, a way of doing things, teaching false doctrine. He talked about crawling under a bed of immorality or sexual sin, and he wasn't so much talking, which that's not right, by the way. I'm not telling you that is. But he was talking about it too. You're saying you belong to me and some of you. And some of you are actually over here living over here. Remember I told you several, I don't know, a month or so ago. You know, I'm married to Sweetie. My covenant is with Sweetie and with God. And if I step out on her, that ain't right. That would be called adultery. That would be sexual immorality. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about you crawled into bed with this woman Jezebel, who Jezebel, we remember back in the olden days, she, was, she had everybody scared to death. There was only one guy, Elijah, that was able, he had the guts to stand up to her and say, hey, if you're going to be serving Baal, then you go right ahead. That is called your, your practice sin, your idol worship. But if you're going to serve God, then serve him. 
Choose now what you will do. And so he stood up to her. She came after him. He got scared. He asked God to kill him. You remember that? But God sustained him and saw him through because he did what he asked. Doing what God asks ain't always going to be easy in this world. It ain't always going to be easy to do sitting in the church with believers. Can I get an amen on that? Remember I asked you, have you ever known them people that just, and some of them, they call themselves Christians. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't know. Jesus will have to decide that. That's what he does. But I just can't see how somebody can have the love of God in them, be so bitter and mean all the time. Can you? And those are the people we need to be having conversations with. We need to take them through the Bible. But we don't do that because we're worried about friendships dying. We say we love them, but no, we don't love them, not if they're heading straight to hell. How do you love somebody and you're not going to tell them what they need to hear? And that's why we don't have this place running over and doing three services a day because the world does not want to hear that kind of truth. But we're going to do it. We're going to give it and we're going to grow because I'm going to tell you there's coming a day and I don't know what's going to happen but there's coming a day people will be seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've got to lose your job, your house, your cars, your dogs. I don't know what's got to happen. I don't have a clue. But I'm telling you this, every Sunday, every day, he's knocking on our heart's door. Every day. If you've ever seen them pictures of Jesus, you know he's standing at the door knocking. There ain't no knob on it. Not on his side. He says, I want to come in, but I will not come in unless you invite me. And when I come in, I'm going to be Lord, not you going to be Lord. That's what this series has been about, idolatry. The things we like about the Bible, the things we don't like about the Bible, and having a form of religion. It's got to be the whole counsel of God. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how to be an overcomer today. Uh, this whole series is about overcoming. But how do you be an overcomer? Well, for, simply put, it's the love of God. That's the only way that we can be an overcomer, the love of God. We're going we're gonna to hash it out this morning now. See, the most uh, critical aspect of eliminating what weakens us, what sin that weakens us, is our motive behind killing it. Do, what do we want to do about it? Uh, Sometimes it's, it's the lack, or actually all the time, it's the lack of one mighty force, and that is the force is simply called the love of God. How we present the gospel has everything to do with the, word, the love of God. You see, Peter and Paul, if they were walking today, or if Jesus himself were standing in this pulpit today, I can tell you now, Jesus is, and it's in love. He don't want anybody going to hell but he will give correction. And he'll lift us up and encourage us. I want you to be encouraged today. I want to give you the message that just makes you feeling so good. But you see, when we're holding on to Jesus, that's where we do feel good. I want to know if I'm doing something to miss the boat. I want to know if I'm doing something that hurts the heart of Jesus. And I might need you to tell me. But whatever we hear, whatever we get, it has to come from the Word. It can't be what we feel, think, and feel, uh, feel, think, and believe. You remember we talked about that? I feel this. I think this. I believe this. If it matches up with the Word of God, you're okay. If what you think, feel, and believe doesn't match up with the Word of God, 
then somewhere along the line, a false teacher slipped in. And your little ears got tickled, and you're like, oh, I like that. Mm. And all the while, Jesus is standing at the door going, you got off track, come back to me. He's knocking. He's knocking. In Ephesians 4 and 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Let me stop right there. For those of you that are visiting, we, we figured out and studied out a few weeks back that there are 30-some thousand denominations of Christianity. In less than 2,000 years, the devil has come in and just taken and just tore things apart. And Christians will actually fight Christians. Let me let you in on a secret. You got somebody that you don't like and that you hate, and if they've been forgiven by God and they're going to heaven, how can you get there? Because there's not going to be any of that in heaven. Straight is the way and narrow is the gate, and few there be that find it. I like to, for me, I look at the few. I don't want to be in the few that find it. I mean, the, the many that don't find it, I want to be in the few that do find it. And so I look at that few. That's why I like to use the word. That's why I'm preaching the word and giving what we have. By every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. You see where it comes from? It comes from the trickery of men. And the cunning craftedness of deceitful plotting. The, black, the back room jobs that gets done. The little whispering over in this corner. You, don't you realize Jesus is everywhere? He knows everything that goes on. He knows every thought that goes on. He knows every motivation. Sadly, many of the people that's doing that kind of stuff, they are so deceived and so self-centered, they cannot see it. It's somebody else's fault. Do we not live in that world today? Everything's somebody else's fault. I didn't like that. I don't like that. He did this. She did that. And that's what we do. We're not to be sin hunters. We're not to be sin hunters, but we are to take the word of God and to help each other along. And that, by the way, is uplifting. Because we're going to talk about two places here in a little bit. You're walking through life today, and there are two destinations to go to. You pick. You pick. I pick. Two destinations. Okay, let's get back in this. Verse 15, but speaking... The truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. You see that part? Speaking in love. That's this morning is about love. There are people sitting here this morning that are visiting. I don't know your name, but I'm glad you're here with us. Take this message as speaking in love, not to bash anyone. This is speaking in love. I'm going to help you to hopefully see that here in a minute. You see, false teachings, like we studied last week with Jesus when he addressed the church in Thyatira and in the letters from Jude, Peter, John, and Paul, these false teachings are so clever that they can easily be mistaken for the truth. And that's where a lot of folks sit today. Let me tell you something. You remember Adam and Eve, they was in the perfect place, weren't they? They was talking with God every day. He came down and visited with them every day. He gave them one command. Remember I told you last week, and I hope you're searching it out. There are 500 plus commands in the New Testament alone. So don't think Jesus is just a lover of your soul. He is, but he says, you've got to walk with me, and I don't walk over there. 
So here they are, they're in the Garden of Eden, and the devil, in a place that is permeated with God's presence, was able to trick her. And that's how sin entered into the world. How much easier will it be for him in this environment we live in today to trick us? Friend, I'm going to tell you, if you ain't getting in the Word, you ain't ready for battle. And I've got news for you, you're in the battle whether you want to or not. The minute you come out of mom and the daughter went, and you started going, you're in the battle. Until the day you're done, you're in the battle. You're either going to fight against evil or you're going to fight against good. You're in the battle. And, that's, and it's easy for false teachings and deception to come in. And deception is whenever our eyes get covered. You see, I can put these things on now. I can read good now, but I cannot tell who any of y'all are with these things on right now. My eye can't trust my eyes. They're telling me something different than what I'm seeing. John, you're about this big right now. And John's not that big. Only reason I knew it was him because I saw him before I looked. But what is it that might protect us from the deception of false teachings? And the simple answer is truth spoken in love, what we just read. See, truth without love is legalism, and it kills. It helps to fuel and support deception and causes the avoidance of scriptural warnings. We get so afraid that we're going to offend somebody that we say, oh, I, I, I got to be careful with that. But there are some people that will follow the letter of the law and kill people. They will destroy them. They will run them away from Jesus. Didn't he tell the Pharisees, you guys ain't going into heaven and you don't want nobody else to get in. You are strapping them with so many laws that don't mean anything. But you want to know something? Jesus came and said, this is the way to abundant life. I'm going to show you the way. Yeah, I'm going to give you some commands, but I'm trying to keep you out of trouble. That's why he came. He came so that we could stay out of trouble. But legalism, oh my goodness, it is a bad thing. And sadly, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be straight up with you. The Baptists went through it. The Pentecostals have gone through it. Don't we sit and judge people? Uh-huh, we do. Now, I can see the fruit and see it. It's one thing to go with love and say, hey, brother, this, you're off track. We need to try to get you back right. But it's a whole other thing to, oh, and then we do this. We start shying away like their presence is going to be something evil among us. Remember, Jesus came for every single human being. Did he not? He shed his blood for everybody. Who are we to say, you're welcome, you're not. You're welcome, you're not. Oh, you stay away. You've been over there. I, don't, I can't have that. And yet we got people saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost walking down that same road. Do they not need to hear the truth? And the more the truth comes, the more they start digging and starting to get a, this, this gathering around them to try to get rid of the truth speaker. Let me tell you something. If this church belongs to Jesus Christ, the next guy or lady coming in, they're going to give truth. They ain't going to care. They're going to speak the truth in love. And it is in love because you know what the alternative is? If you don't get straight, if you don't get on that path with Jesus, heaven's not going to be your place. It doesn't matter if you said a sinner's prayer. 
You spend the rest of your life with him molding us. That's what we do. But legalism, it kills. And should we avoid giving these warnings that are crucial to the health of the church? Absolutely not. You see, these folks that always seem to me mean and hateful, these Christians, they seem to always be angry and unhappy. So I'm going to tell you, these folks are bound by legalism and they propagate it. You know what I'm talking about? Well, the church opens at 9.45 and you get there at a quarter after 10. Why do we got to beat somebody up over that? Why do we got to do it to the face or worse yet? Why do we got to do it behind their back? See, Jesus is there no matter what. That's the kind of stuff that doesn't need to be in us because that's not the love of God. I don't care if you got short britches on, long pants, or if you got a $1,000 suit on. That has nothing to do with your heart. And Jesus wants your soul. He died for your soul. He shed his blood for your soul. And whenever that gets inside of me, then it's so much easier to preach messages like this because I know that it's in love. Whether you're receiving it or not, I know that it's in love. I want you to go to heaven with me. I want you to have a pretty good life while you're here. Doesn't mean we're not going to have trouble. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean that all troubles are going to go away. No, Jesus said you will have trouble in this life. But I want you to be able to face those troubles from God's point of view. You see, it's a whole lot easier to sleep at night and to get up the next morning when you're looking at it from God's point of view. And that's where he's trying to take us to. But sadly, we, we swing the pendulum all the way to the other side of that. And to counteract legalism, we emphasize love. But love spoken without truth isn't love at all. It's fake. It's a counterfeit. It's a form of kindness and sympathy and tenderness and it appears as godly. But these virtues outside of truth leads to deception and it is just as bad as legalism. It's just as bad. And we need to guard ourselves from teaching that, preaching that, living that inside of our lives. You see, we steer clear of certain biblical truths because we view them as being out of, outside of what we view love to be. Well, I don't think that's love at all. Well, let's go to the Bible and see what it says. We're going to do that here in just a minute. I don't think that's love. I, want to, I, don't, I, I, I view love as being something different. And we view the calling men and women to a place of repentance. We call that as being mean and bigoted and hateful. But yet, how do they know if they're not told? How do you know as a believer if you're not told you've slipped on a path here? Jesus loves you. I love you. Let's pick up. Let's grow from this. Let's grow through this. How many of you with your husband, wife, or children, or mom and dad, or whoever, you've been so angry at them before you've been like, oh, you know, you just want to choke them. Oh, don't be liars now. We in church. But it's our love for one another that we work through stuff. That relationship means so much more than throwing it away, doesn't it? That's how God is with us. That's why Jesus came. 
See, God wanted to have this perfect garden with us. He wanted to have this perfect walk with us, wanted us to walk with him. We got off track, so he came up with a plan. And Jesus said, hey, I'll go. And he came to this earth, born of a virgin. There's no doubt about it. Don't let anybody tell you she was a young woman that wasn't faithful. No, she was a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. That's what the Bible says. It's true. And he walked a sinless life. He was tempted in all points, like as we, and yet did not sin. That's why he could go to the cross. That's why he told Judas, what you got to do, go and do quickly, because now it is time. He has authority. And even though the devil thought he had a hold of Judas, no, God was calling the shots. Jesus was calling the shots. And the day that he died, the moment that he died, it was, a, it was appointed from the foundations of the earth. He shed that blood. He took those stripes for our healing. Yes, he did. Because that's the only way it could be done. You remember he was in the garden. He said, Father, if there's any way, let this pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That is such a perfect example of being submitted to God. How many times have we done things and we're like, no, God, not your will, but mine be done. Friend, let me tell you something right now. You might have been walking with God, but until that moment, you took a step back. I don't want to do it your way, God. Well, who's God now? That's right, you are. It's called idolatry. The biggest idol you'll ever worship is the guy you look at in the mirror when you shave every morning. You ladies, y'all don't shave. Y'all putting on your paint. I shouldn't have said that, and that was just wrong. Y'all forgive me. Jeff said that, I didn't. That was Jeff Bowman. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. That's who the idol is that we serve when we don't want to follow Jesus. You see, calling people to repentance. Picture this. Dave, y'all been to the Grand Canyon, right? You can't even hear me. You've been to the Grand Canyon, right? Is it a big old hole? Very big. Long ways to the bottom. <whistles> Let me ask you a question. If you were to fall off of the edge of that, do you think you would die? <laughs> I want to paint you a picture. Let's say I'm sitting about 15 feet back from the edge. I've done walked over and looked down and took my breath, and I said, okay, it's too close in case this rock breaks. And I go back here about 15 feet and sit down on a bench and just enjoying the beauty of God's creation. I've never been there, but I understand it is a beautiful place. Someday, Lord's willing, that's on our bucket list. But what if I'm sitting there one day and I see a blind guy come walking out through there? And he, this, we're going to call this the edge. It's only like three feet, not 3,000. But he's just sauntering along, you know, just ain't got a care in the world. Seems like he's real happy. But he's just getting closer and closer and closer to the edge. And he don't have one of them little canes in front of him to see what's bothering him. He's, he's just walking. He's blind. He can't see. What would it be like if I sat there on that bench and saw that guy 
and said, you know what? I don't want him to think bad of me if I get up and say something to him. Maybe I'm going to encourage you. Boy, you sure look good today. I really like that suit of clothes you have on. I like your haircut. I just love your smile. I love the way that you treat people, it seems like. I've seen you greet some people as you're walking down the path and you just lit their lives up. Man, I, but all the while he's walking toward the edge. But I'm afraid to say something. Because I don't want him to be offended at me. You see, you see who the idol I'm worshiping is? It's me because I don't want him to be mad at me. It's about me now. It ain't about him. And he's getting closer and closer and closer to the edge. You look good, man, I tell you. But all the while, he's getting ready to step off into a pit. And when he falls, he will die. Is that love? You see, love says, I love you enough to make you feel uncomfortable for a few minutes in time to save your life. That's what love does. Do we know anybody we need to have some conversations with? Maybe they won't let you have that conversation, but you got to try. And as long as they'll sit down at the table and listen, you tell them again and again and again because, see, love is patient. Love is kind. Keeps no accounts of wrong. You want to preach my message? No, you're, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's exactly what love is. Can I say that I love a man who I don't even know? Or maybe I do know him. But he's getting awfully close to the edge and he don't seem like he's changing course. See, that's what repentance is. It's changing course. You're heading down this path. You know, you stepped over here and got on this religious path and it's got a lot of Bible scriptures and they've got even got an organization. Maybe they're in Cleveland, Tennessee, but I think every church is like centered in Cleveland, Tennessee. It's like the, the hub for the, the distribution center like the Walmart has. But no, I'm over here walking now. Somebody's got to tell that man that death is coming if he don't change course. And I can't say that I love him if I don't do that. You see, we got to look at life from an eternal perspective. We look at life, most of us look at life from a 70-year period, right? That's an average age. What if I looked at life at a one-day perspective? I could do whatever I wanted. I could do whatever I want. I could eat whatever I want. You know, give me some Slim Jims, give me some ham, all that stuff that'll harden my arteries. Yeah, give it to me. I want that. Give me, you know, three cases of Mountain Dew. That'll fatten me up good. Give me all this stuff. If I'm living for just today, then I'm not thinking about consequences for tomorrow. But if I'm looking at it from a 70-year perspective, then we start kind of trying to take care of ourselves. We don't want to deal with the things that comes with not looking after ourselves. Getting sick, getting heart disease, getting these kinds of things is going to hold us back. We look at it and say, you know, I need to kind of try to do different. 
and so we make a change. But that's not even that. In, in Christianity, we've got to look from an eternal perspective. When we're believers and we're looking for ourselves, and also when we're looking out for our brothers and sisters, it has an eternal perspective. Because if we don't get to the place that we're walking with the Lord, if we don't let the things that the Bible says apply to our lives, if we don't repent of those things, remember, without repentance there is no salvation. It's not a once and for all kind of deal, guys. These letters that they wrote in the Bible was to churches. Not to the world and to the sinners. It was to churches who were getting off track. I mean, think about it. It's, it's, the devil started his work right after the resurrection. He said, I'm going to do whatever I can to trip these people up. I'm going to do whatever I can to take it away. And you see, there is a, a real hell. There are people that don't believe that hell is real, but let me ask you something. It's not a metaphor or a figure of speech, is it? Is the Bible true? All right, let's go to it then, Revelation 20 and 10. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You see that? Let's go to verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's a prophetic uh, view of what is to come. That's what the Lord gave. You see, Jesus said, and he was talking about the final judgment. There, folks, there's two destinations. There's either heaven or hell. You don't, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in hell. You're deceived. I don't believe in heaven. You're deceived. All because some religion said it or some guy you respect said it? No. What the Bible says is what's true. Let's look at it. In Matthew 25 and 46, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Do you see that? Everlasting punishment or eternal life. Those are the two destinations. You get on the train the day you're born. Which train do you want to ride on? Because it is going to sidetrack. And all of the ones leading to hell, they're going to look like they're heading to heaven, but they ain't. It's what the Word says. And it's what we have to get inside of us. Everlasting, folks, is forever. Look in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 9. And these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. We prayed this morning because it's about His power, not about us. I don't ever want you going out of here if we pray for somebody and say, boy, Ken touched them and they didn't. No, Jesus touched them. I was just the vessel. You're just the vessel. And that's how we have to keep ourselves centered. You see, Satan has deceived humanity and he has captured many, many prisoners who are going to head to his own fate. You see, God didn't create hell for people. He created for the devil and his angels. Look at Matthew 25 and 41. Then he will all say to those on, his, on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't created for mankind. Mankind chooses whether or not they want to go there or not. And I'm going to tell you, there ain't enough Budweiser in the world want to make me go to, he go to hell. There ain't enough drugs in the world. There's not enough porn in the world. There's not enough lying. There's not about stabbing people in the back. There's not enough gossip that I want to be involved with because they go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. How about you? 
But we, we will back, back, we'll backstab people. We'll knock people down. We'll, we'll talk about people so we look good. And that's the kind of stuff that we're getting at today, folks. That's why the church, why we started this whole series, why are we so weak? Well, I don't like hearing that. Well, how many people have you won to Jesus? You know. You know who you've led to Christ and who you haven't. The Great Commission was not just for the pastors and the teachers. The Great Commission was for every believer. How many people have you led to Jesus? And that's what you got to look at. He didn't go to the cross for, uh, for cars and bank accounts and buildings. He went to the cross for souls. He's going to destroy this whole earth one day anyway. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Why in the world does he care about this earth right now? What's going on? No, it's about the souls. It's about the people that are dying and going to hell. It's about the people that said a sinner's prayer and they do not repent. We must repent. We must repent. Daily, daily we renew our minds and check ourselves. That's why we have the word for. Well, I don't believe in that, preacher. Well, that's fine. But I still love you. I'm still going to pray for you. And if you will come through these doors or invite me to your house, we will have this conversation. We will have the conversation. I was called to teach people about the Word of God. You remember the day I got saved, sweetie? You know what I told you. Teach people. I don't know the Word of God. I'll teach you. And I'm going to do what he's called me to do. I'm going to hold on to Jesus and do the best that I can. And I pray that I'm living a life before you that will make you see that. But even if I stumble, hold on to Jesus. It's a sad day when a church loses a leader and then they fall. Can I tell you something? It was never about Jesus to start with. If I die today and we're going somewhere, the church should keep on going. George ain't here today. George didn't call me. George called Kenneth, taking care of what his ministry is. Doing what needs to be done. And Brother Kenneth, thank you for coming. He could be down with the kids. His called ministry. I didn't ask him. He said, I guess I'm coming to church tomorrow because you've got nobody for the booth. Thank you for that, my friend. Thank you. You see, Jesus paid a price for us. And what about Paul? To let you know where you stand, where I stand, where everybody who is a believer stands. Do you think that Paul endured being stoned? Flogged five times with 39 lashes, beaten three times with rods, suffered agonizing days of adversity, thrown into jail? Do you think he did it to make a name for himself? No, I don't think he did. Do you think he did it so he could be a popular conference speaker and travel around the world and find hotels and big meals? No, he did not. Do you think he did it to draw crowds? No, because it didn't. Do you think that he did it so that he'd be a well-known author? I mean, he wrote like a third of the New Testament. God used him. He didn't do it for that. What he did was love. He was driven by the love of God. It was the love of God that compelled him to go forward. It was the love of God for these people that he went to because he had to take the word to them. So what is true love? 1 John 4 and 8 He who does not love does not know God. Friends, do you got somebody right now you really don't love? 
Get to the place you can. Get to the place you can. Because God is love. That's what it says. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Don't be deceived. Well, I've been in church, you know, since I was a baby. I can quote over two-thirds of the Bible without looking at it in four languages and four translations. I don't care. If it's not here and making a change in our hearts and in our lives, it means absolutely nothing. The devil knows the Word of God. He ain't going to heaven. See, God isn't just have love. He is the very essence of love. And if we teach a child, think about this. If I teach a child that a woman has two legs and two feet and two arms and two hands and a nose and two eyes, is that the full picture? It's true, though, isn't it? It's a piece of truth, but it's not the whole truth. Allie and Danny, y'all just stand up right there in the middle and let everybody look at you. Hey, they got to go on a date the other night like the first time in 13 years. I'll turn around and face them. Now, is there a difference in them? Don't they both have two arms and two hands? Hold them up. Hold them up. And two legs and two feet and two eyes and a nose. Okay, y'all can sit down now. Thank you. But there is a difference in there, ain't there? See, that's only partial truth. If we don't tell a child the difference or the the, the, the I was trying to think of another word, and I'm I'm trying I can't do that. The difference in them, what makes them different? Then they may look at Allie and say, "Well, there comes a man," and they may look at Danny and say, "There comes a woman." Difference in anatomy. That's true. Yeah, thank you, sweetie. And that's the same thing that happens with the Bible. People pick out the stuff they like, they teach it, we're Christians. The stuff they don't like, we delete it. You've heard it said that woe unto the man in whom all men speak well of. That's usually thrown out when two Christians are fighting. You won't hear it from me. Because all men means everybody in this world. So it's a good thing if we Christians are getting along and the world doesn't like us. That scripture does not apply to the church because all men won't speak well of you. The ones from the world won't, some might. But if we apply that to the church people when they just happen to not like each other and we don't want to walk them down that hard trail of reconciliation, which is what has to happen, then we throw that scripture out so we sleep better at night. But that's not the Bible, friends. It's not. I don't even get an amen on that because you don't see it and you don't believe it. You've probably heard it. Because it's true. If the world's speaking well of me and the church is speaking well of me, then I must not be doing right for Jesus, right? But if we are believers and we're going to go to heaven together, you can't get together here on earth. How are you going to spend eternity together? There's not going to some magic change happen in you. You're going to receive a glorified body. But you decide which side you're going to walk on. You decide where your destiny is going to be while you're here on this earth, while you still got breath in your lungs. Understand? Don't ever use that scripture why two Christians don't like each other because it's false teaching. I said it. It's false teaching. 
I'll sit down with you if you don't understand it, and I'll go deeper into this if you want. <sighs> you see, there is a love that this world has, and it's patient, it's kind, it's not rude. It has many of the same characteristics as the love of God has. But check this out. I'm almost done. I know I went long. 1 John 5 and 3, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. In 2 John 1 and 6, This is love that we walk according to His commandments. That is the commandment that you, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. In John 14 and 21, He who, ha who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You see, if I'm kind and patient and not rude and all that, and I'm cheating on sweetie and my taxes, am I walking in love? No. If I'm kind and patient and not rude and, and lifting people up and I, and I advocate or I'm okay with sexual immorality or if I'm okay with homosexuality, am I walking in love? No. You guys are answering exactly right. If I have all these attributes and I spend my time lying to people, am I walking in love? No. If I have all these attributes in me and I'm sitting on the phone or going to people's houses and we're talking about and running somebody else down, stuff that we won't say to their face, am I walking in love? I don't care how many times you've said in the church, I don't know how many scriptures you know, what songs you know, which blue book, red book, eight book, on the wall book, I don't care where they came from. What matters is, is what's going on here. That is what happens. And do we have love? If we got these things going on, then we have love. Then we're following Jesus. You remember 1 Corinthians 13, right? Yes. That talks about the attributes of love. I'm going to read them real quick. Love is patient. Everywhere that the word love comes in, put your name. See if you are there. If you're not there, then that's what we're praying for today. God, help me to get there. Love is patient. Love is kind. I'll put my name in there. Ken is patient. Ken is kind. Ken does not envy. Ken is not proud. Ken does not dishonor others. You know, when you make a joke at someone else's expense, you dishonor them sometimes. I had to repent this week for that very thing. The guy taking care of my insurance is, is causing me to lose my insurance by the end of this month. Because he couldn't, he didn't fill my numbers in. Then he lied to me about it. And I was angry, man. I'm going to tell you, I was angry. What happens if we have a car accident or something happens before we can get our insurance straightened out? And he says, well, I'm real sorry about this. And the government says, well, I'm real sorry about this. And I'm like, why you even got your name in it? I make too much money to receive something from you. But the only way I can do business with Piedmont in, in Virginia is I've got to go through the marketplace. I sent you a check this week to pay my taxes, and I see that you cashed it. You knew who I am then. I'll expedite this stuff. I'll drive to Kentucky and give it. Oh, we can't do that. I was angry, and God got on to me. Because I got to have love. And this is a brother in Christ, by the way. 
was angry. And see, I'm telling you, repentance has to happen all the time. That's why I'm telling you this. It has to happen all the time. Yeah, love is not, a, it, it keeps no records of wrongs. How, who, who did you wrong that you still don't speak to? You go in this door and they come in that door. Fix it today. Fix it. Because it's got to be fixed. Well, I'm not keeping a record wrong, but you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter. God said, I will be the avenger. Let him do it. Let him do it. That's what he says in the word. Keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. You don't like to see bad things happen to people. I knew they were going to fall. I told you. Yeah, who's it about now? It's about you. I said, I knew. I'm prophetic. <laughs> no, you're not. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. That are the characteristics of love. We have to have godly love. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to leave you with one thing. Love cares more for the other person than it cares for self. It does. And you want to know if you can walk in love, I'm going to tell you how to get there. Let's presume, assume for a minute that God came to you and said, you know what, we need one more sacrifice for so people could be saved, and it's you. Brother Eddie, it's you. I can pick on you because you won't get mad at me. Come on up here. Putting you on the spot now, you need to be forewarned. If y'all late for chicken, it's his fault because he's taking his time. I'm kidding. I'm, I love you, brother. And see, that's what you do when you dishonor others. Good example. If Jesus came to you today and said, I need one more sacrifice, and you're going to take a beating, you're going to be separated from the Father, and you're going to lose every drop of your blood on a cross. Is there anybody in here that you would not do it for? No. no. It's a good answer. You want, it, you want to have God-like character and you want to have God-like love? Look at people from that standpoint. See, every time we do something that is wrong according to the word of God, we're breaking his heart. We're hurting him bad. And yet he says, I'm going to give you 15 more years of life. And I'm going to help you get through it if you will. And I'm going to send Ken and some others your way. Don't get too mad at them. They're following my lead because I want you back. You see, if you can't look at anybody in this world have the heart that Jesus had that's what you need to be praying for today I can let you in on a hint Ken's going to be at the altar this morning and I would dare say probably every one of us should be because that's where we need to get we need to be able to see people the way Jesus sees them you don't look at them and say oh but you don't know oh when you say that I can turn around and tell you, oh, but you don't know the power of God. You say you do, but you don't have faith in it. And faith moves mountains. You see the first part of Corinthians, it says, if I have faith that could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. 
Or if I speak in tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm just making noise. You mean to tell me that can happen? According to the Bible, yes. Not everything speaking in tongues and flopping in the floor is full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so this morning, we're going to pray. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would love for me or somebody else in here, some of our prayer team, to help you to get to know him. We don't cast stones. And if you got something in your heart that God, the Holy Ghost, has touched you this morning and it needs to be dealt with, well, I'd love for you to come and let us pray with you. We're going to ask you what's going on because we need to know. We're going to be praying for you, not only while you're at the altar, but we're going to be praying for you through the week and through the months if need be. Because that's what love does. See, that's not judging you. That's picking you up and saying, I'm willing to carry you. Because if he's patient, and man, he was patient with me. I don't know about you. He's still patient with me. Then we need to be patient. So won't you stand this morning, Brother Ken, and give us something, something to pray with this morning. Because I want us all to be talking to the Lord this morning. There's so much to be talking to him about. And I'm going to tell you now, it's going to take submission. And if you can't submit, don't deceive yourself anymore. You have to submit to the Lord. And He will help you through with the submission part too. He loves you. I love you. Your brothers and sisters around you, we love you. And we want to have the power of God flowing through us as a church. We've got to hold on to Jesus for that to happen. We've got to walk with Him going to hang on to him for that to happen. So come and pray this morning. I invite you to come and meet your Savior. Maybe you're meeting him all over again. Come and pray. Come and see what he has for you to do. Maybe there's somebody in your life you're supposed to go to and take this message to them. I'll give you my notes if you need them. Study it out yourself. But come and receive what God has for you. Sit down.